All right, we are up and running on Audacity. Video should be recording. It is. Good. All right, quick movie review. We just got back from seeing uh, Pikachu, Pikachu Detective. No, Pokemon Pikachu Detective. You're going to have to talk louder than that. Oh, okay. You don't have to talk closer to the mic, just talk louder. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, quick movie review. If you've ever seen the original Pokemon <laughs> movie... Like the original, original. Are you going to give away a spoiler? Like a spoiler. Not, yeah, no not necessarily a spoiler. No spoilers. Like, it'll make you love this movie. That's all I'll say. I'm not a Pokemon fan. I'm a, just a little too old to have it in my childhood. I was a senior in college, and the freshmen were playing Pokemon. And that's when I knew I was like a generation ahead of them. No, it was it was I'm definitely like, nice. I, don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know. Like the uh, today today's generation, I don't I don't know that they truly understood the how nostalgic <laughs> this this movie was. But I mean, it was okay. I would give it a solid five out of ten. Pokemon. That's my <laughs> <Okay>. rating. <laughs> they would give it five out of ten volts for Pikachu. Um, Pikachu's adorable. Anyway. <laughs> Hopefully people aren't coming to this podcast to learn about the Pikachu Detective movie, but um, we're going to talk about sighting for open water today. Uh, it is May now, and in, basically in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, it's open water season. It's pretty much open water season on most of the East Coast at this point. Uh, so we wanted to start doing a series of podcasts about open water swimming, since we did a series of podcasts on like the fundamentals of, yeah. uh, of freestyle. Um, and so I've I've identified at least sighting as one of the fundamentals, right? That would make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, there's literally no way that, I mean, I've had clients come in and go, I, I need you to drop my swim time down. I'm like, well, how are you sighting? And they're like, oh, you know, I basically stopped swimming. And then I've realized I was swimming in a diagonal line. And just by getting them to swim straighter, they dropped time. It wasn't, it might not even be Excellent like point. technique. It's literally, you were just swimming back and forth instead of forward. Excellent point, right? So easy way to make someone swim faster, improve their sighting. Uh, I think for a lot of people also, like you said, they stop swimming. They start doing breaststroke or they even tread water. Yeah. And that stops all of their momentum. So then they have to work that much harder to get the momentum up again before they start swimming again. And then they stop every time they go look at the buoy. Yeah. Right? So, obvious way to get faster is sighting. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the order in which we're going to do these podcasts because I don't have my notes with me. I'm going to wing it. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I talk about this all day long. Uh, so, I believe. Well. Uh, bilateral breathing at some point, drafting, and buoy turns. I kind of lump those together. Yeah, maybe just like racing. Uh, and then I, I have it on my notes as wherewithal. Like knowing where you are within the race and where everyone else is within the race around you. Yeah. Right? I, there's something to be some said about that and that like if you grew up as a swimmer or you were a competitive swimmer, you know where everyone is in the lane. Yeah. Right? So when you're a coach, you get to see the fast lanes, <laughs> know where everyone is in the lane, but then you go down 
a lane to just a slightly slower lane and they might not know how to pass people at all because they don't know where anyone is it's really, yeah. really weird to watch i mean i notice it i notice a lot more with my little kids i think it's it's definitely an experience thing because i watched you know one of my kids had to sit out the whole rest of practice she got hit in the face because she swam down the center of the lane you know at the end of the day that's on her so <laughs> ouch you know, same 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 thing with you get hit in the middle of a race because you weren't looking around and you have no idea where you're going it's on you more than it is the person <laughs> hit you. A little bit. A I mean, sometimes people are ruthless. Some people are ruthless. Yeah, it can be crowded depending on the size of the race. Anyway, let's get back to the point of siding. Now, whew, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to siding because I think what has to be kept in mind is how to site first. Um, my preference, and I've gotten to a lot of discourse with some of my triathlete clients about the proper way to site. I prefer them to try to keep their eyes barely breaching the surface so that just the bridge of their nose is basically on the surface so that they can see as little as possible. Um, and it's disconnected from a breath. So I try to coach it so that it's uh, take a breath, sight forward, face goes back down, take a breath. And the reason I, I do that is so that they don't hurt their necks. Um, basically, if you have vertebrae that are next to each other, and they should be in alignment, they start pinching and grinding as your head twists and your head lifts up. Yeah. Right? So we don't want to do that, right? Don't hurt your neck. It's not worth it. It's just not. Um, but in addition to that, it's really called a rolling sight. Yeah. It's called a rolling sight so that you don't lose your momentum. And I, yeah. I'm shocked that... I I don't see a rolling site anywhere else. I don't know why people don't coach it. I think I've seen it a long time ago, and I don't see it ever anywhere else. I think it's just kind of like, but I think it's more so just like an understated thing, though. Like we're bringing this up as like a, a big thing, but I the amount of people that come in and go, okay, like when I finally get to that point in the lesson where we're starting to talk about open water techniques, and I go, all right, you know, we've been working together for three months. Now it's open water season. How do you cite? They go. <laughs> and that's basically their reaction because they don't have a good answer. And there's never been everyone who gave me uh, kind of the same answer because it varies from, oh, you know, I pick my head up or I do some breaststroke strokes or, you know, I turn on my back or I follow the person that's in front of me. And I'm like, OK, you that, last water one, <laughs> that last one is terrible. <laughs> Listen to this. I just Googled rolling site. Uh huh. First video that comes up is our swim box video. Breaking ground. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't invent a rolling site. Yeah. I did not make that up. So um, the point of a rolling site is just to make sure you don't lose momentum by lifting your head up, right? And the goal should be to be to site as little as possible, meaning see as little as possible. And if you need to, the next time you site, you can lift up higher so you can see more. And if yeah. you don't see it again, you can lift up higher. Right? It's like a gradual process if you can't see where you're going instead of just trying to do Tarzan drill to sight every single yeah. time. What I like to say is I'm like, okay, every time you guys go to a race, what color caps and buoys are there? Like, they are not black or dark blue. They are neon Red, orange, green, yellow, so are the buoys. Why? So that even if you sight 
and you don't even necessarily make out, oh, look, there's the perfect contours of the buoy. You don't <laughs> need to see that. You need to see a blob of orange in the distance. Like You mean you can't? You shouldn't be able to tell who manufactured the buoy? <laughs> yeah. If you are reading Made in China on the side of the buoy, <laughs> you lift your head up too far. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say one th- maybe two things that you need to be mindful of is during the race – what color caps people are wearing and what color are the buoys because sometimes caps and buoys are the same exact color and you can't tell all right so that you make note, note of that right that's an important knowledge thing for sighting um and the other thing is you basically compounding your point uh it should be about catching a glimpse of color like a flash a, a blurb of yeah that's the general direction and i want to emphasize general direction i need to go to it is not about going head on right to the center of the buoy. Uh, I yeah. just had this conversation with someone yesterday, actually. So, if you can see the buoy, go in that general direction. You don't want to actually aim for the buoy. If you know that all the turns are going to be on the right hand side of the buoy, well, you can swim a little to the right of that buoy. Yeah. If you're aiming directly for the buoy, you're setting yourself up to run into the buoy. You're setting yourself up to get caught up in a bottleneck. And if I'm swimming with you and I see that you're on that straight buoy line, I won't let you come over and I will make you run into that buoy. Yeah. I'm not a nice person. (laughs) (laughs) It's a savage. Um, No, but I think that's, uh, yeah, I definitely think that's important. And I think that kind of down the road, that also leads us to how do you, you know, even figure out racing techniques without you want to be on the inside or the outside? You have to be sighting. To also be able to see yeah. the rest of the swimmers. Because you might feel this mass of moving water all over the place. But honestly, if it's a wetsuit legal race, you're not going to see a lot of skin. You're going to see a lot of just blackness. Splashing. You'll see a lot of splashing. Well, there's a lot of black wetsuits and a lot yeah. of splashing. And it's hard to pick out if everyone's wearing the same exact color. You have no idea who's who and who's where and who's on the inside, who's on the outside. Yeah, You're just trying to survive for, for at least the first probably, I mean five minutes of that race while everyone starts usually. to space out i say i think it's just usually around depending on the level of summer 200 to 500 yards yeah maybe meters but um yeah uh, it's the process for learning how to do a rolling site is pretty easy actually we do a drill called alligator eyes it's become very popular um Alligator eyes is a drill. It is not how you should sight necessarily. If it is, I guess, you know, you're in dire straits and you have to keep your face, you know, looking forward above the waterline for multiple strokes, fine. But, but you shouldn't do that on a normal, regular basis. Yeah. So, alligator eyes, the goal is can you keep your chin forward, like uh, thinking of like hungry, hungry hippos forward? extended forward not just lifting your head back because a lot of times people will use their lower or mid back to do it Um, but you want to try to keep your eyes as close to the surface as possible no breathing forward breathing forward is I don't want to say death sentence but (laughs) it's a bit dramatic but it it can cause a lot of problems Um, and actually a couple years ago I was doing an open water clinic right before the Reston Lake swim and I was telling people in the pool before we went to the open water, I said, you know, we don't ever breathe forward. You always breathe to the side. Put your face down, turn to the side. We got in the open water. We were doing alligator eyes. 
and someone took a breath forward and started choking. Just like that. Bam. Yeah. And it was just like, you just proved my point. I felt sad for the person, but happy for me at the same time. Yeah, you felt <laughs> very conflicted. Validated. <laughs> yeah, I felt very validated. So never breathe forward. If you're breathing forward, you're giving yourself the opportunity to, A, catch water and inhale that water in your mouth. Uh, get hit in the face by other people swimming. Get hit in the head by other people swimming because you're lifting your head up that high to breathe. And you're going to force yourself to sink because you're going to pick your head up that high. So yeah. we have videos of alligator eyes on our YouTube channel. Um, it's a really helpful drill. I My recommendation for doing alligator eyes is always you have to put your face back down before you feel like you need a breath. So if you feel like you need a breath, it's too late. You're yeah. going to be desperate for that air. So it might be only just two or three strokes that you're looking forward, and then you put your face down, take your breath, and you return right back to that. Okay? So that's yeah. alligator eyes. It's kind of like a broken rolling, rolling sight. Yeah. And so once you can kind of perfect that timing, then you can start figuring out that the rolling sight happens immediately after a breath. So you take a breath, and then you would roll up and get your face back down before the recovering arm enters the water. Yeah. So it's a bit like butterfly in that sense. Yeah. This takes some rhythm. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of practice. And I'll typically have, like when, when trying to learn the sighting, I won't necessarily, like if your breathing pattern is typically every two, I'll have people start trying to just do strokes and just like think mentally maybe do like eight strokes without breathing just right. think okay when would i do it and then maybe take six strokes and then maybe try it and then four right and then two like don't just try and go for it like <laughs> off every two because it's no, really no, hard takes a lot to just rhythm. try and yeah yeah i mean it takes a lot of practice to really get the right rhythm to it and i mean but once you get it i mean it's just like once you find a rhythm for pool swimming as well honestly yeah, yeah so. it really is it is just like that and I think that's also a really good thing to bring up is how frequently should someone be sighting? Yeah, the, the, that ratio. An I have that, an answer. That, I have lots of answers. That, I feel like that ratio is all over the place because, like, it should be. It should be I, absolutely all over the place. There's I mean, no standard. There yeah, there's be. none because, like, we were talking about it in our last open water clinic because someone asked that question, mm-hmm. and it was it was funny because um, I said, "Oh, you know." If you're breathing every two, I like to do, you know, one breath every five stroke cycles. So that would be one, one breath. breath or sight. One sight. Sorry, one sight to okay. every five stroke cycle. So every 10, ten strokes, strokes, I'm taking one sight. Um, just because I know that I'm not a wiggle worm when I try and swim. <laughs> so, I mean, but if you if you are a self-identified wiggle worm, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Sydney was, or Sydney, one of our other instructors at, at Swimbox, was saying, okay, you know, I think you know doing three stroke cycles to one one side is better. But it's, I think, yeah, it just goes to say. I mean, there's no. It also depends on what is your, what is your breathing pattern. Maybe yep. you breathe every three. If you breathe every three then your sight count is going to be different than someone who breathes every two. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Right. I, I like to do... I like to figure out what's the longest someone should go without sighting first. And the way that I like to do that is have people swim in a lane over a black line, and they have to close their eyes, and they take, I don't know, start out with like six strokes. If you can make it six strokes, you open your eyes, you stand up, 
are you still on that black line or are you left to the right or did you run into the lane rope great you made it six strokes go back yeah. to the wall can you do eight strokes great go back to the wall can you do 12 strokes great can you do 20 strokes i've never seen him do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that that will tell you your limit right and then with that limit you have lots of opportunity to play around in variation um if the water is really calm and really not much of a current pushing you, there's not a lot of wind or anything, maybe you can go to your limit in sight. Yeah. And then maybe in that same exact swim, conditions change and you have to switch to sighting every two strokes or four yeah. strokes. Uh, I think that's going to be a common theme, by the way, in all these open water podcasts. Uh, there are no rules to open water. <laughs> Meaning... <laughs> There's rules to the racing open water, but when it comes to open water, there's nothing like steadfast. Yeah. You need to be able to adapt to the situation based on what is happening to you physically and what's happening to the environment around you as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's definitely also interesting. I mean, that brings up the breathing pattern. People are like, oh, I'm finally breathing to the right. Technically, yes. But should you be able to breathe to the left? Yes. Because, because that can be a form of sighting too. Yeah, but it's also dangerous sometimes too because if you've basically got, you know, let's say you've got all these waves and this current that you don't see because you're only breathing to one side and the next thing you know you get blindsided by a wave yeah. and then you get swept off. It's like, oh, I don't, I wouldn't have ever seen that coming because I don't even know how to breathe <laughs> through that side. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, because I was talking about, I was talking about this with one of my clients because he said that he basically learned open water swimming off the coast of like California or something and there would be these tourists who would show up and be like oh it's Cali it's, I'm in Cali like Woo! let's just get in and swim a mile along the coast Ew. but that water's yeah, cold no thank regardless, you regardless <laughs> regardless of the temperature um, I guess they would see all these people go in and only breathe to the side and they they witness someone basically get sucked in by you know a current because they didn't see something happening. They got sucked under and then the lifeguards had to go in and save them essentially yeah. because they had no idea what they were looking for. So yeah, I think it's just, I think that sighting kind of goes into, yeah, like you it were saying, the, know well, your environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the wherewithal, like, yeah. You, right. It, it's all these things kind of connect. It's, it's almost, uh, when you, when we start talking about it like this, it's almost like how when we talk, broke down all the fundamentals, they all connected. And so it's very easy to kind of get everything lumped into to yeah. one because it's they're elements that have to be done correctly, but they all play off of each other. Yeah. Um, so with the siding stuff, you have to practice it. You can't just show up race day and think you're going to be able to do it. It won't happen. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of obvious. So the way that I ask people to practice it is not necessary to look for anything in particular while they're in a pool, but to just practice the movements and the rhythms. That's yeah. it. If, because I used to like you know stand on the end like at the end of a pool and hold up numbers for people and they had to tell me what numbers. But yeah. then I'm, I'm asking them to look for too long. Yeah. Right. They're teaching them a bad habit by doing. I think that. that goes back into you don't need to identify the the, right. the dimensions of the buoy. Right. Exactly. I mean, so learn the movements. Know those movements. Then, when you get to open water, you ideally, ideally should practice open water before your first open water event. Yeah. Um, not always the case. Like it's very difficult here in Northern Virginia, DC, Maryland area. But if that's your case, that's your case. At least you've practiced some of these skills in the pool first. 
Yeah. And then when you're there race day, you need to be looking around to see what other things you can to, can sight off of other than buoys. Is there a big mass of trees or something behind the buoys that you can spy, spot yeah. and, and see? Is there, or if even there's like a coastline that you're relatively close, yeah. you can clo- close to, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can kind of like pay attention to see if oh am i drifting is the current pulling me off to the left am i getting further from the coast and then next thing you saw you go oh yeah it is i mean yeah so siding could be not just looking forward siding could be side to side yeah. while you breathe that's why it's important to be able to breathe to both sides for siding purposes that's that's not the only reason why it's important to breathe to both sides uh i always want if you can i always want people during a race Warm up if there is a, a race warm up to see if they can go off out from the finish, just like 200 yards, and turn around and see what the finish looks like as they come back in, so they know what to look for. Well, that makes sense because it's that last 200 yards is really important in open water swimming or even in triathlon to get yeah. your legs going a little bit, know how the the depth of the bottom of whatever body of water you're in is going to change. All right, so I always want people to to sight the finish during their warm-up so they have a, it's also really nice when you're finishing that swim you go oh my god i recognize this i better get going <laughs> yeah. it's a nice feeling so i always want people to do that don't do silly things like sight vehicles because those move <laughs> it's not always obvious right some people go yeah. oh there's a big van back there i'm gonna sight that van well yeah. that might move during the race yeah uh That's... things like that uh but try to Try to get your internal GPS set before the race. Take a look at the overview map. Know where the buoys are before the race because buoys do float away as well. I don't know if I would be good enough to go, well, I know there was a buoy here on the map. <laughs> That's not going to happen, right? Yeah. But it gives you a good idea of, or at least a concept of like, I think I should have been turning by now. Or yeah. this seems a bit weird that the buoy's off to my left when all the buoys were supposed to be on my right side. Yeah. Buoys do drift sometimes. They float away sometimes. Sometimes my, my pet peeve is I have two. When races have buoys the same color as caps, I hate that. That's just bad planning, and there should yeah. be some sort of like standard against that. Um, but then also there should be a standard for big buoys being separated by a certain distance should also have smaller buoys in between. I think it's just really yeah. mean to separate buoys like 200 plus yards away and expect people to see that. I mean, that's really mean. I know in one of the open water swims that I did, it was you could do one mile, two mile, three mile, four mile, or five miles, but there was five buoys. There was one at one mile. What? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it's literally just. Could was it not in their budget? Like. I don't know. That is bad. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was. No one could hear you, by the way. Liz is talking off of Sorry. off mic. She asked if yeah. it was a Maryland race. It was. Um, yeah, and so it was basically like, okay, well, you made it to one mile. If you're doing three, make sure you look for the second one. And like the course was like a, it wasn't a straight line per se either. It was kind of like a zigzag. Jesus. So <laughs> it was just kind of like. <laughs> It was uh, it was interesting for sure, but I mean, yeah, but knowing that going in, I think is important. If there's ever kind of like a course, you know, acquaintance day where you can kind of some, go some and see everything, do it. like 
if you think like, ah, you know, I'll be, I'll be fine. I've done, you know, 50 open water races. It doesn't matter. Go. Yeah, don't get go cocky. Go see what it's like. Yeah. Don't get cocky. doesn't matter if you've been swimming for 55 years. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, so two questions that I always get asked is, uh, how do you sight when your goggles get foggy? <laughs> it's a tricky one to answer. Yeah. Uh, and my response is... Don't let them get foggy. Like, make yeah. sure when you show up to race day, you need to have two pairs of goggles anyway. Basically, well, maybe in four. You need to have, I know I just doubled that number, but <laughs> if you showed up and you didn't expect it to be so sunny or the sun to be as bright yeah. as it is, then you need tinted goggles and you need to have two pair of tinted goggles just in case one pair breaks. Or I've seen people who put Vaseline on their neck, yeah. touch their goggles, and then could not see oh. out of their goggles. And if they would have had an extra pair, they would have been fine. But they didn't. So there's that. And then the other two pair that you should have are clearer goggles or a tinted goggle that might help with low light. Yeah. Um, so, like, they make goggles now that have, like, tinted colors to see buoys more clearly, right? Like driving goggles. I guess so. Yeah. Driving goggles? Well, no, the, no it's not the driving glasses. You know, things have, like, the yellow tint on them. Like, uh, to help you, like, eliminate glare. Yeah, what is that called? I don't know. Probably some stupid names. No, like, it's not. I know exactly what it is. I'm blanking on it. Ah, oh, so frustrating. Solar shades. Anyway. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, sometimes you show up to races and the sun's not out. It's overcast and you can't see as well in your tinted goggles. So you should wear something a little bit lighter, a lighter shade. Uh, so you should have that prepared before you even show up. Uh, so if that's the case, your goggles, maybe you have a pair of goggles that you train with. So you're comfortable with them, but then you have a pair that you race with. And so you yeah. only race with those goggles every once in a while. Most goggles now have an anti-fog agent on them. They yeah, only last for a yeah. certain amount of swims. Yeah. That's why you would use those only for races. But what are you supposed to do in the middle of the race if your trusty racing goggles start fogging out? Um, I don't mind. I'll say this. <laughs> I've done an open water race before in the Bahamas where it was super clear. And you can see like 40 feet down. Uh-huh. And it freaked me out to see the sea life <laughs> that was below me. So my goggles fogged up, and I was blinded by that, and I was okay with that. It helped calm my nerves this, because ignorance was bliss. I was about to say, this seems like you were using as a coping mechanism. I did, absolutely. Um, but... Yes, goggles are going to fog, but in that instance, I was very fortunate because I had a support boat very close that I could sight the support boat. I didn't even have to sight in front of it because the boat was going and I could follow the boat. So that was an an easy solution. Yeah. Goggles are going to fog. If you have to, roll on your back. Do do it otter style. Go on your back. Spit in your goggles. (laughs) Lick your goggles. Get some warm liquid on there your saliva is about the same temperature as your eyeball so it helps keep that fog down it's a it's annoying but like i said i think the best approach is to be prepared and have a pair of goggles that you train with make sure it's the same exact pair that you're going to race with or same brand or same you know i'm saying same model yeah, of yeah, goggle yeah. that you race with and then you have a certain you only race that that pair 
how often are people racing? Maybe like yeah. five times a season. Maybe so maybe eight, you know a really a maybe a truly viable you know solution here is create a glass pane with your racing goggles and them in your house before you leave for race day. Break the glass pane. You know you haven't used those yet. So there you go. It's you know makes flawless. sense. No. <laughs> Using case of a race. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then the other question that I always get asked is, I can't see. I don't have good vision. What am I supposed to do? I can't even see the buoys. There are optical goggles for a reason. They are made. Go buy them. Where do people wear, find them? I, I, honestly, I don't wear glasses. I don't so wear it depends. It depends on whether you're far nearsighted. I know that if I always forget which one's which, but I don't even know which one's I. What I am? I know I can't <laughs> see far away, but I know you're that speedo. Then. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm nearsighted. Near you. So like, if you're nearsighted, I know that speedo makes a bunch of. You know, nearsighted goggles, kind of just like CVS prescription, like reading glasses. You can just buy them. They're like 20 bucks. It's not like, you know, you need you don't need to go to your optometrist and spend $500 on custom made goggles. You really don't. And if you're like, oh, well, I don't like I don't like Speedo Vanquishers. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. There's, there's are other options out there. Oh, but yeah, you, sure. It's really easy. They're not that expensive. Um, I know there's some different brands, but I kind of I mean, I know that's up to that's up to each individual person what they're what they're looking for, though. But they exist and people wear contacts under their under their goggles. People wear contacts. I don't think it's doctor recommended to wear contacts while you swim. No, but I don't wear glasses or contacts. I don't know, but I have been told that people should not wear contacts while they swim because there's a worry that either they get water in their eye and the contact moves behind their eye or the contact falls out. Yeah. But every swimmer I've ever known that wears glasses also wears contacts while they swim. I don't. I, I just deal with the blurriness. <laughs> That's where... Is that why you swim that way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so all that recommendation of just look for the blur of color in the distance, it's just, you know, personal. Ex- <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fair. Um, no, I mean, I think, honestly, it's up to you. I've known people that have swum with contacts. I know people that don't. You're one of them. I am not a doctor. <laughs> I, this is, <laughs> you may take our advice or leave it, but I mean, I think most people are fine with your contacts. If you've got a nice pair of goggles, it seals, you'll be fine. Like, but, I mean, I think in the end it's up to you. Yeah, and I think if you find a pair of goggles that you really like as well, buy a bunch of them because they change. Yeah, and they they're like they, shoes. Yeah. They're like running shoes. Like now. That's a great point, actually. Nike, Nike updated some shoe that I had had for years and years and years, and then they updated it, and now I hate it. <coughs> well, too late now because I'm not going on eBay to spend $400 <laughs> on the last remaining pair. So... I don't know. I think the same thing. Uh, goggles aren't super expensive, you know. As long as you got a swimsuit and you're willing to put down, you know, a hundred dollars, that's five pairs of goggles, you know. Maybe for you. Oh, sorry. I buy forty dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> I only buy, you know, hundred twenty dollars speedo racing goggles. That's it. So, uh, I think overall the, the the point is, if you're going to be racing, don't try to wing it know what you're going to be wearing being comfortable and and trusting your eyewear is really important in open water swimming and swimming in general but it's going to help you with your sighting so why not invest in it if you're willing to invest i don't know 10k into a tri bike why wouldn't you invest some goggles right yeah um and then practice your sighting 
frequently. I would say I ask people to start practicing their sighting here in this general area of the country around February, March, maybe March, April-ish time. Yeah, because I, I have a few clients that have started doing races in right. in April. Right. So. right. so give yourself like a good two months to, to incorporate sighting into your drill work. My, um, one of my recommendations, mm-hmm. and I think this is actually kind of goes along, you know, the buoys are going to be neon colors. You can kind of challenge yourself a little bit with this, but I think it helps with getting used to not necessarily making out a buoy 100%. If you buy, I know that if you are an athlete, you own a water bottle, go to REI and buy a nice colored water bottle that stands out against the pool deck and just, since it's at the end of your lane anyways, you can just kind of look for that. So you don't have to be like, oh, I'm just moving my head. Yeah, that's fine. But I also like, I mean, I tell a lot of my clients, okay, just give your something even if it's anything. I mean, my water bottle is neon orange. So I use it during lessons when I teach people how to sight, just so they're like, oh, it's orange. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, that's yeah. up to you guys. I mean, it's just yeah. my... I just, like I said, I just like people going through the movement. Um, yeah. I, I think that's really what they'll, you really need to do is learn rhythm, learn movement. And we will absolutely have the links for alligator eyes and a rolling sight. Or you can just go Google... Apparently, if you just Google rolling sight, you will find our YouTube video yes. of it. Uh, if you Google swim box alligator eyes, you'll find that video as well. Uh, so we'll have those links as uh, on the, the video version of the podcast, and, and we'll have it in the description for the iTunes version of the podcast so that you guys can go check these videos out. I think talking about it doesn't really do it justice, so you need to see it, kind of practice it and learn it, yeah. get master it. Uh, Anything else you feel like people need to know about sighting before we end this podcast? Not really. I mean, I feel like I, think we, I feel like we pretty much covered all the basics. There's not as it's not like some crazy mechanically difficult. I mean, it's difficult to put it all together, <laughs> but it's not yeah, a, it's not so a big soon. movement. It's not a big movement. It's not a big movement. So don't think that you need to be lifting your head out of the water. I mean, yeah, it's just like the rest of swimming. How 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 little movement can you have and still move forward? Yeah. Right? Yeah. How little movement can you have and still see a buoy? Well, you didn't see the buoy the first time, have a bigger movement. Yeah. You didn't see I think it the fifth time, do some brush Well, that's what I do think is a good point to bring up is if you don't see the buoy, don't just completely abandon the rhythm that you got into. It's okay that you might not have gotten that sight that time. Yeah. Even if you only see it, you know, 20 to 30% of your sights, that's not great. But at the <laughs> same time, you know... Don't freak out and be like, all right, this next one I got to try and sight again. No, no, no. Don't, don't screw up your race plan because then you're going to start to get in your head. And I just think it, yeah. it can lead to kind of, uh, you know, less – it's going to lead to a more like defensive type of swimming than like I'm going with my race plan. I've done all the work. You're just going to start freaking out. So Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it's also worth saying, well, maybe in certain race situations like open uh, – say uh, ocean races – where there could be swells, it could be very difficult to see buoys with a swell. Um, so maybe it's an opportunity for you to start learning breaststroke just in case you get off course, so off course that you don't know where the buoy is at all. At least you don't stop because yeah. stopping will completely destroy your swim time. Um, yeah. It, it's, it, 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 I don't think people understand how bad it messes up their momentum and how much momentum they have going especially in open water because there's not a wall to push off of and there's not a bottom to jump off of so you have to try to start momentum 
in a wetsuit without anything yeah. to push from. That's not easy. I mean, I think that's easily comparable to, like, actually, like, outdoor hiking. Honestly, yeah. like... Well, in a in way, way... I don't know. In the, in the way that, like... I don't do things if you, <laughs> Like, I'm not saying, like, even on something strenuous, but, like, if you do any type of... I mean, whether you're super active or not, but if you're going, you know, let's say you've walked eight, nine miles, you know, and you've got four miles left to go, it's not really that far... But if you sit down and take a break, oh my god, I know that feeling. For like thirty minutes to eat lunch, you're like, "Man, this sucks. I wish we had never gone hiking. Like, <laughs> I don't want. I just want to be back at the car. Like, that mentality is gonna set in if you just stop swimming. It's true. You're just gonna be like, "Oh, that's how far I am. No, no, no. Don't give yourself. Don't give your brain the luxury of processing how far you are. Yeah, just get it done. Just keep going. Just keep swimming. Keep swimming. Yeah. Keep swimming. Yeah. That's the trick, really. It really is. All right, I think that's uh, pretty informative. Um, I, if people have any questions, they can always reach out to us. You can reach out to us through our website or through YouTube, or I've given my email out plenty of times. I'll give it out again, I guess. It's Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C, at theswimbox.com. Email me. I answer people's emails all from all over the place all the time. I'm happy to answer anyone's questions. So. Yeah. And mine is literally the same thing, just with Dan in the front. So Dan's is way easier. D A N at T H E S W I M B O X dot com. All right. So thanks for listening, and we'll do our next podcast. I think on pace. Why not? We'll make it pace. Okay. All right. Later.